listening to It's All About Perspective with your hosts, Abigail Peterson from Kindergarten Chaos and Principal Robert Hinchliffe. Join us as we discuss education from various points of view. Take the challenge of listening to see if your opinion changes. But no matter where you stand on the issues, remember, it's all about perspective. Hello and welcome to episode five of It's All About Perspective. My name is Abigail Peterson and I am one of your hosts. Let me introduce you to my co-host. I am Robert Hinchliffe and Abby and I were talking the other day after we got done with our last podcast and I was thinking about it a lot this week as we get ready to return on the hybrid model. I was wondering and thinking about those teachers who have a canned curriculum or required curriculum, and we were talking about it. And I was wondering how many people have to come back now and actually follow a script, follow a program, or are they going to come back and want to kind of have some flexibility because hybrid, or I'm sorry, distance learning has given them a lot of flexibility. So I was thinking from a teacher's perspective, Would you rather come back, Abby, to a canned curriculum, or would you rather come back to having flexibility to do what you thought was right for kids? That's a great question. I would rather come back with flexibility. I... We worked together for eight years, and during that eight years, you allowed everyone on staff to have the flexibility to use what they thought was best for themselves and for students. And so in doing that, you find things that work and work well, and the data proves it, and (laughs) the kids' attitudes and work proves it as well. So that would be my choice. And we we were having this discussion about it. And so I thought, let me just pull some teachers on my Instagram. So hopefully you follow me if you don't, Kindergarten Chaos <laughs> on Instagram. But anyways, I did a little poll and I asked, do you use curriculum with fidelity? Are you re- Do you have a curriculum that you're supposed to be using with fidelity? And it was very interesting because over 800 responses in the last few hours, and it was split 50-50. So really interesting. (laughs) So that 50% said, yes, they have to use a curriculum with fidelity, and then 50% said no. Now, I would say that the majority of my audience is pre-K, kindergarten, and first. So I think they're possibly, especially with pre-K and kinder, is a little bit more flexibility in curriculum than, say, you know, first, second, third, moving on up. The second question I asked was, do you have a set curriculum, but have the liberty to use something else like supplement? And that was 64% to 36%. So that tells me that there is a majority of teachers that are allowed to have a little bit of flexibility, which makes me happy as a teacher, because I think when you're stuck in a box where you can't move out of and at 1035 you're supposed to be teaching page number six of phonics I think that's not fair to the teacher and it's not fair to the student <laughs> yeah I agree like I, I don't understand and, and your results are amazing like thinking about them how half of the teachers pretty much across the country because you have a lot of followers must use a certain curriculum or a program that kind of shocked me 
because I don't understand why administration would mandate that. Now, that's my philosophy. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot fathom expecting every kindergarten teacher to be on the same uh, same letter or the same phonemic mm-hmm. awareness. Absolutely. You know, I, I just can't, I can't fathom that because your kids are different than the person next to you. You're different than the person next to you. Maybe you missed three days and they fell behind, mm-hmm. you know, and thinking about coming back, you know, like how do you come back and you're on day 129 or whatever it's going to be in Clark County and oh, we're on this story in trophies this week. How can you come back and be expected to be at this set point right now, given the fact that the kids missed a quarter of school last year, basically? They've been in all distance learning this year, at least in Clark County. I just don't understand how an administrator could expect a teacher to come in and follow a canned curriculum and be at the same point as the teacher next to her or the teacher next to him. It just just flabbergasts me, honestly. It blows my mind. And there are real schools and real principals out there that do require that. Actually, here in Clark County, I know of several. My student teacher from two or three years ago, she left and got a job at a school here in Clark County. And she texted me several months later saying, I can't handle this. They came in and they wanted to, you know, know why I wasn't on this, you know, particular lesson at this particular time. And she just, she ended up leaving. But there are schools that are like that. And I don't understand because for instance, as a classroom teacher, if I do, you know, a simple assessment and I'm like, ooh, the majority of them do not have this. I need to reteach. Or if I say, okay, 75 to 80% of my kids have CVC words down, it's time to move on to something, you know, to digraphs or something else. I, I have that teacher intuition that says what to do. I don't need a teacher's manual to tell me to do that. I agree with you. And I don't understand. Now, maybe there's a really good reason. I just can't think of one. <laughs> but especially in kindergarten, Let's just take Clark County, for example, Mm -hmm. which is the fifth largest school district. You have deep Summerlin, deep Southern Hills, and then you have, you know, schools at low SES areas. Mm -hmm. I am sorry, but not every kindergartner is going to come in at the exact same spot that that program starts. So let's just say Clark County said, no, everybody's on this right now. Mm -hmm. You're setting yourself up for failure because not all kids are equal. Not all teachers are equal. So why? what is the administrator afraid of? I'm, I'm trying to fathom this. What is the admin afraid of by letting teachers teach? Okay, so this is my idea, of uh, my perspective on that, is that curriculum costs a lot of money. Curriculum costs a lot of money. And if a school pays thousands of dollars for a curriculum, they don't want it sitting in a closet somewhere. And so they want a mandate. It's like the parent that's like, you're going to eat all this food. I prepared this food for you. You're going to eat it all. And I think that's ridiculous. And one thing that happens when I first started teaching kindergarten is that I came into a room that had a closet and had stacks of Envision workbooks, math Envision workbooks. And I was like, what in the world am I going to do with all this? So obviously the teacher hadn't been using it, but the best news came one day when you walked in my room and said, 
do you need to order math curriculum for next year? And I was like, please, no, I don't. I can, I have my own ideas. And you were like, great, we're not going to order that math curriculum. And, and it was the best thing because I saved the school money and I was able to do more with what I had and what I created than what the Envisions curriculum gave me. I understand what you're saying about the money being important. I get that. But again, as admin, why are you spending tens of thousands of dollars on trophies for school-wide or a school-wide phonics program when you can get so much stuff for free? Or trust your grade levels to plot out what they're going to teach this week or talk about it and collaborate. Force them to collaborate if they don't get along. Be a leader. I just don't understand why we're spending tens of thousands of dollars on workbooks, worksheets, low-level stuff when Google's free. TPT is cheap. Teachers are the most creative people out there. Why are we spending money on something that doesn't give them flexibility to teach the kids where they're at? Well, I kind of feel like my analogy is like pharmaceutical companies to medicine is what curriculum companies are to schools. You know, it's like come in and bring you donuts and bring you lunch. And hey, here's our wonderful curriculum. We want you to buy it. You know, here's a personal analogy. I'm getting a little bit personal right now. So a few years back, I had a tumor. And the, the fascinating thing about me and having cancer was that the doctors have it narrowed down to what kind of cells they are, what kind of tumor it is. They didn't just say, oh, you get this because you." they have it narrowed down. So I was fascinated because you get prescriptions or you get a certain kind of chemo based upon the cells in your tumor. Why aren't we doing that teaching-wise with kids? You can't give them a blanket antidote. It doesn't work. So... Let's let's let the teachers teach or teach them how to teach mm-hmm. and teach them how to be resourceful and then just trust them to to meet a kid where their needs are. I just I just it just fathoms me that half the people have to do something. So I think one thing that was very helpful for me as a teacher was having the long range plans and having a scope and a sequence. So knowing that this is this is where we're going. This is our plan. You know, it's kind of like a roadmap. If you're going on a road trip, we know where we're starting. We know what the finish line is. We know approximately how long it's going to take, but there might be a flat tire along the way. So we might be delayed a few minutes or a few hours, but we kind of know where we're going. And I think the trust is a big thing. Trust your teachers, especially teachers that know what they're doing and know their curriculum. I know kindergarten curriculum, backwards and forwards. And I feel like I, as a teacher, if I were to go to a school where I didn't know anybody, I would hope that the admin would allow me, you know, let me, let me teach, let me do what I, what I know to do best. Yeah. And another, another thing thinking about it that really bugs me is I told the teachers at our school and I tell them now, don't slow the high kids down. If a student in kindergarten can magically read at a DRA 24 then you as a teacher should find a way to meet the needs of that student. Or let's just go with second grade. Let's say a second grader reads at a DRA 40, 44, but you're just reading that trophy story every week. You're making them read that. Let the let that kid, if you need a grade, 
Let that kid read that story, take that test. I bet they get 100 and then get them into a book that's at their level. But no, we will uh, get passionate about this. This drives me crazy. No, we're, we're going to make that kid read that second grade story two times, three times, maybe whistle, whisper phone, maybe throw in a different dinosaur voice or whatever. No, don't slow the high kids down. And I feel like the can curriculum meets maybe 50% of your class. If you take a bell curve, it's meeting the middle 50%. It's not meeting the lower 25 or the higher 25. So again, I don't understand why we're using this. Now, someone's going to make the argument, oh, well, you know, it has it has differentiation guides in there for certain things. That's fine and dandy. But again, you're making them do something that they already know how to do or they can't do on the flip side. And what is the bang for the buck on that? I just don't understand this. Agreed. Agreed. I just, I'm not a fan of curriculum. One thing, or of canned curriculum, one thing that I found um, when there were teacher's manuals that I was given as a quote unquote guide, it it was not applicable. Sometimes the curriculum's weak and it doesn't have enough meat in it to, to meet the needs of the high kids or to stretch. And then sometimes it, some of the questioning and some of the content is, is just not developmentally appropriate, at least for kindergarten anyways. So I found you know, using my teacher intuition and using the resources that I have found and just experience, I found things that work best for the students and and supplement with lots of different resources, mostly hands-on because that's the best way to learn, right? <laughs> right. And, and I think you should have the flexibility to do that. It all comes down to data. If you don't have a curriculum, and your data is fantastic, then why would I give you one? You know, like it doesn't make sense. We've gotten away from letting teachers be creative, letting teachers do engaging things. One of the most difficult times that we had when we were together a few years ago, you know, they were, uh, they, the teachers at, at our school, some of them wanted a phonics program. Okay, Fine, let's get a phonics program. Let's spend $1,000 on whatever it was. There was more conflict that year for me to deal with than any other year because all of a sudden now you're trying to you're trying to put the, the teachers back in the pen or put them back in the box. And there was so much animosity going like from here or there. Well, why do I got to teach this? I, I was trying to kind of – I just don't understand like – where it went off the rails because we wanted a phonics program and this is the one we chose. But what ended up happening is that you educators figured out this program isn't working for some of my kids and you didn't want to stay in that box. So you went and did what was right for kids. Why as an admin would I ever not be okay with that? I just, I can't fathom that. On the flip side though, there are those, teachers that say we need a curriculum as a structure, you know, because and and going off of what you just said about our past experience, there were gaps. There were gaps in phonics in different areas of uh, you know, different grade levels. And so 
you try to fix it and you try to think, well, what can we do? And so that's where the phonics program came about. And I remember being in meetings and I always felt like I was kind of like the low man on the totem pole because I'm kindergarten. And so sometimes I feel like some of the older grades have more bargaining power than than we do because we're the first, you know, grade level. And so I always tried to be flexible and cognizant of them. Anyways, moving on, (laughs) I... I think, though, that some teachers feel like they need grade levels need that structure so that the next grade can kind of pick up where they left off. I think where we need to get better at is knowing what we're supposed to be teaching and then what the grade level, the next grade level is supposed to be teaching. That's where those vertical meetings came in. And I found them sometimes to be helpful because we found out, oh, okay, well, for instance, this has to do with math. I remember we were in a math vertical meeting with first grade and in kindergarten, we were saying place, place value ones and ones and tens and first grade was teaching units and rods. Well, it was, yeah, it sounds like semantics, just vocabulary, but I would rather know. So that way I can prepare my students. I can say this is a 10 and this is a one, but it's also called a rod and a unit. And so I think there's power in collaboration and in talking about specifically the standards instead of talking about a curriculum. Yeah. I mean, for me, if you want my opinion, the curriculum is the standards. Now that it's supposed to be. Yes. It's supposed to be. Yes. You know me, my philosophy is I don't care how you teach the standard, just don't get me in trouble. Don't hurt yourself if you're jumping on tables, whatever. Whatever it takes to get those kids to understand what you're supposed to teach them is great. I think, you know, our issues at at our school, we had gaps, but you were all were professional enough. You might not have liked the meetings because nobody really likes meetings, but <laughs> you then were like, oh, that makes sense. And, you know, you would then go work on it. You, know, I just don't understand, like, If that's a problem, then break your data down and say, well, let's look at this standard. Maybe we got some different things happening there. But to pigeonhole people into a square when they are professionals who went to school, um, I just don't understand that. Now I will go on the flip side. I'll take a different perspective. Maybe a new teacher does need a little bit more structure in their lives. That's agreed. That's definitely possible. So maybe some people on your um, survey are new teachers, but I will bet you that a a lot of them, I don't know if you have a stat or not, maybe you don't. Oh, wait, do you have a stat on how many would like flexibility? Yes, I do. So one of the questions that I asked was, if given the choice to have flexibility and have your own curriculum and supplement with what you want, would you? And it's 92% yes to 8% no. So with great power comes great responsibility. So if you want that power, you would therefore be responsible for making sure that you're teaching everything, which again would come out in the data and the levels of students. That is very telling though, when 92% of teachers want flexibility and want to be trusted, if I have 92% of the staff that wants something, I need to get out Mm -hmm. of the way. Right. Get out of the right. way. I'm just, I am just getting in your way and causing you problems. And you know, that we just got to get out of the way. I mean. So one of the questions that I was kind of formulating in my mind as we've been having this discussion is when and where should curriculum, if any, be mandated? 
do you do you ever think there's a time that it's appropriate? I mean, you kind of talked about brand new teachers, but what do you think about that? Personally, my style, I say no. Now, teachers are going to disagree. That's fine. I would rather teach a teacher to teach than keep giving them the materials. So it's kind of like teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime, give him a fish, mm-hmm. feed him for a day. I would rather say, hey, this is what Abby used. You go make it yours. This is what so-and-so used. You go make it yours. It meets this standard. If you're struggling with cooperative groups, then I can go in and show you how to do that. So again, I would rather teach a teacher to teach than give them you know, give them that fish for a day or give them that, that um, lesson for a day. That's me. So I personally don't see it. But again, someone else might have a different perspective, which I would respect. Well, and I, I really think even with new teachers, I think, or a teacher, I remember one year back years ago when I was on a maternity kind of, I wasn't pregnant, but I had little babies at home. And so, but I got asked by a principal to come in and for three weeks, take over a fourth grade class. I've never taught fourth grade, (laughs) obviously, but I did. I came in. And one of the great things about it is if you have long range plans or you have a scope and a sequence, even though I'd never taught fourth grade, I came in and I picked up not lesson plans because this teacher went out on an emergency situation. So there were, there were no plans for me, but I was able to pick up the long range plans and the scope and sequence and see exactly where they were at. And, and maybe I didn't know the content, but I at least knew what the standard was to look up and to kind of see what this means, what the overarching theme was, what, what are the specifics? What are the targets, learning targets and take it from there? Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. There are many paths to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So why am I going to make you go up this path? You know, like you just said, there's a scope and sequence. That's really all you need to know. Where do I need to have these kids by the end of the year? Okay, mm-hmm. get out of my way and let me get there. And I think now with technology and like you said, teachers pay teachers and Pinterest and tons of teacher blogs and now teacher podcasts, you with the quick swipe of a keyboard or your phone, you could type in third grade scope and sequence or long range plans, and you can find them out there. So if you're a brand new teacher and you're listening and you're afraid because you're like, well, you know, I, I'm just getting hired. I'm finishing, you know, my schooling this year and I just got hired to teach fourth grade next year. And I'm, I don't, you know, utilize the people around you, but also don't be afraid to go and look for scope and sequence or long range plans for your particular grade level, because at least it gives you that roadmap, you know? Yeah. And again, going back to it from the admin perspective, there are tons and tons of resources out there now that, again, are very cost effective. And in a world where price matters and money matters, you Mm -hmm. have to be somewhat fiscally responsible. I was also thinking too, admin, I believe, my perspective, completely mine, that want teachers to stay in the box. My analogy is this. When you were, I remember the kid that taught you how to differentiate. I can see him. You were like, what do I do? I'm like, this is where you differentiate. You got to help this kid. Teachers who just keep their kids in desks and rows and are afraid to let them go to cooperative groups. um, Those are like admin who are afraid to let their teachers just kind of run. You're afraid to let them go to the cooperative groups because something bad might happen. 
They might mm-hmm. not follow the rules. Admin are the same way. I don't want them to just be able to do whatever because something bad might happen. They might break the rules. Well, what what is going to be so bad that they're going to bomb a lesson that day? Well, then they'll be wise enough to think, oh, I got to teach it a different way. They'll learn. You know, We learn from our mistakes. We have a growth mindset. I just wish that admin would just give teachers the flexibility to be creative and meet the needs of their kids wherever they see fit. And again, if the data shows that your creativity and your flexibility is paying off, then why would I care what you would do? Let me make one last point here too. Who, in your opinion, are the most famous educators right now in our country? Well, I think that's very subjective on who you're talking to. and But, it's, but you're asking me my opinion. So um, I would say one of there's one person that has steadily been progressive in my little niche of education. And that is Greg Smedley Warren from the kindergarten smorgasbord. He's, you know, taught virtual, he's taught hybrid, he's taught in person. Um, I've watched him over the last, you know, 10 years. And I would say he, for kindergarten, he is a, a very poignant person in, in the early childhood realm. I would agree with you. And I would think, um, you know, I would think people would also know Ron Clark. Um, mm-hmm. I had the the good fortune to visit RCA about three years ago. And I can tell you right now, if those teachers had to stay in the box and teach a canned curriculum, they wouldn't be at RCA because he expects you to teach two grade levels higher to the high kids. He expects mm-hmm. you to get out of that box. He expects you to do creative things. Wade, Wade King, who no longer teaches there, we were in his classroom. Wade's all about music. I'm going to make this work my way. I'm, you know what? I don't need to teach the text of uh, something in trophies. I'll go find something about music, play music, and that'll get the standard um, taught. Well, it's just like my son is in, my youngest son is in sixth grade this year, and he happened to be in his class, and I, I could hear her talking because obviously he's still distance learning. And I happened to look over at the computer and she had among us figures or clip art. I'm not sure what it was, but she was doing a math lesson with them. And I go, I asked him, I said, is that among us? And he's like, yeah, she's using it for a math lesson. So that's not in a curriculum. Guarantee you that's not, and that's, but it sure kept his attention. Yeah. And that's the flexibility and the knowledge of the teacher meeting the needs of the students. So now you just brought it back to, you know, your son who's on distance learning. Now that teacher perhaps, or I guess in Clark County for sure mm-hmm. on April 6th, will have your son in front of them. How do you think your son would feel if all of a sudden he has to go from playing among us to sitting with a book in his desk that he doesn't want to read, that has a story that he's not interested in. How would mm-hmm. that make him and probably that teacher feel? Well, obviously, that is a huge shift in in learning and teaching. And I think it's I think it's one question that I've kind of proposed to myself is I wonder how this has changed teaching this particular year because Teachers have had curriculums in years past that they've had to follow. And then now all of a sudden we come to a time period where they're stepping out onto a bridge that they've never, no one's ever been, you know, they're kind of building the bridge as they're walking along. And so has it 
opened their eyes to flexibility. You know, I wonder if your statistic of 92% is swayed a little bit by distance learning, because now how many of them have gotten a taste of the forbidden fruit? How many of them are like, wow, you know, if I can just get out of the box and go find this or holy like TPT has this awesome stuff on it. Or you know what? I was watching Greg on Kindergarten Smorgasbord and he did this thing with with um, glow sticks. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Great way to teach X, Y, and Z. Again, I think a lot of people have gotten a taste and now they aren't going to want to come back and go back into the box. And I personally think that's a good thing for education. I, I think so too. I think that... If you're an admin and you're listening to this and you're thinking about and planning for next year, you know, maybe consider instead of having a a day, professional development day where everybody's learning how to teach out of the teacher's manual, why don't you have them get together in their grade level and do long range plans and, you know, scope and sequence and kind of break up the standards and how they're going to teach it, pacing, a pacing guide instead of, you know, what page number we're going to be on, on, you know, the hundredth day of school. And I would take it even a step further, you know, like a couple of years ago, I mandated, I don't like the word mandate, but everyone had to do a room transformation for rock your school day, mm-hmm. rock your school day and is not in any, any basil anywhere. And the stuff that the teachers taught that day was all standards based but it was revolving mostly around rock and roll or things like that. And, and they just found a way to make it more engaging through a common theme. I would take it a step further in planning for next year and say, how are you going to get out of the box? So if you go find, you know, if you're breaking down long range plans, I would take a step further and say, okay, now go find one lesson that's way out of the box and plan on that. I think that would be so powerful Again, when we, when I did my rapid fire, the number one thing I said, I want education to change uh, that will change education is to make people get out of the box. I think if you give people a little bit of freedom and let them do their thing, your results would be phenomenal. I agree. I think also that you don't realize the power that educators have when they have that flexibility. Because for myself, I know that I would rather start every lesson with a picture book because for me I am getting a picture book in so they're getting you know vocabulary they're getting all these skills by me reading a book to them but it also serves as a basis for the lesson that I'm going to teach so no curriculum has that no set curriculum says okay you're going to read you know um Gus the plus book today to introduce addition you know, it and and I was able to with the flexibility uh, of going and figuring out my own curriculum, so to speak, I was able to use picture books, I was able to use games, I was able to use hands on manipulatives, I started creating my own stuff, I started, you know, working with others and sharing and saying, hey, this is a great lesson to teach addition and subtraction or character and setting instead of having a rip out booklet that now we have to do. I, uh, we had rocker school day a couple weeks ago at Thompson and I, I jumped in some classes and a teacher in fifth grade, my, my children's teacher did a great job. She took black history month, intertwined it with rocker school day. And she was showing videos of Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. That's not in the book anywhere. Right. 
So right. again, she had the flexibility to make all those standards that she was teaching come through one thing on distance learning. Well, and that makes it uh, brings up another point. By the time a curriculum is created and then brought to, you know, to publishing and then and then purchased by a school, we're at a we're at such a rapid pace in society now. Isn't some of it already outdated? Absolutely. I mean, history changes so fast right now. Mm-hmm. And and I think too a book or a program just limits you. There Google has so many texts, so many um, pieces. You, I mean, math, you can find anything out there. Why mm-hmm. are we buying this this one program that has this one set of stuff when there's infinite amount of items out there? Trust the teachers to use the items to teach the standards. And I think one of the key words that you just said is limits. And I think that is truly what curriculum a lot of times does is limit because there's no perfect curriculum. I have yet to have um, had a teacher say, hey, this is the best curriculum. It hits every standard. It hits everything because it, it, it usually doesn't. It's usually lacking in something, whether, you know, especially if you're trying to differentiate for those higher kids or or those kids that are still struggling or, you know, ha- are not on grade level. And so I think that's exactly what it is, is that it limits. I understand um, admin that want to purchase a curriculum, but at least give them the flexibility to say, okay, I'm going to use this part, but not these parts. But please, 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 coming from a teacher, please don't make them use it with fidelity. Yeah. Fidelity is the F word of education. It is. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, I agree with you. I think, you know, rather than spending, let's say $10,000 on a program, divide that up by the number of, of teachers and say, Okay, you have five hundred dollars this year. You don't need approval. You you go talk to the office manager and you buy whatever you think you need to teach the standards. You will get way better outcomes doing that than you will spending the ten thousand dollars on a program that nobody eight percent. It sounds like eight percent of your eight mm-hmm. percent of the teachers across across Abby's Instagram agree with you buying that. Ninety two percent agree with my way of giving them the flexibility to buy what they need. Well, and, you know, for the people that are like, oh, well, there's always that one teacher. Well, there's always going to be that one teacher. There's always going to be that one teacher. And, you know, I remember um, when we had a staff meeting one time about data, it was like, okay, if your class, if 80% of your class has the standard, move Move on. on. It's going to be a rare occasion when you have 100% at 100% all the time. So if you have majority, which I feel like if your staff, the majority of your staff is capable and a strong enough teacher to be trusted to hit their standards and and have give them that opportunity. And if you have the one teacher that needs a box curriculum, then you know, I guess I don't I don't know what you're going to do with that teacher, but I don't think that everybody should be quote unquote punished for the one or two teachers that need it or can't live without it. I agree. I agree. I just just trust the teachers to do the right thing. 92% of the time, they will they will blow you away with their outcomes. Okay. So, we don't have a rapid fire this week, but let me ask you, are there any curriculums that you found in your years of teaching or your years as an admin that you just absolutely loved and you thought was amazing? No, (laughs) but, but curriculums in my mind are resources 
to teach the standard. So I feel like, um, I feel like Envisions this year, we opened a new school. We got the brand new Envisions 2.0. It has a lot of resources that were very valuable to teachers this year. Very valuable. Mm -hmm. But to make the teachers only use Envisions, I think is asinine. So that's why it's just not my style. So there are a lot of great curriculums out there but not one. If if there was one great curriculum that met everybody's needs, we'd all be using it. Mm-hmm. There's not. But that's why there's so many different ones because some people think Engage New York, some some people think Lucy Calkins, some think people think, well, you know, even, all different kinds. Even Lucy Calkins is changing now. I don't know if you saw that. Even so, again, why can't you as a professional say, "Oh, I need a little bit of envisions today. Oh, I need Engage New York today." Oh, I'm going to combine those two for this lesson right now. I feel like we have to teach the teacher to teach, not give them the lesson. Agreed. Agreed. Well, it's been a productive conversation today, and hopefully maybe somebody has taken a different perspective, has maybe thought about asking their admin if they have the flexibility and liberty next year to you know, try to do long range plans or a scope and sequence and create their own pathway to success with their classroom and their students. And if you're an admin and you're listening and you're like, well, they made a couple good points, or maybe you don't think we made any valid points, no matter where you stand on the issues, remember, it's all about perspective. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you again next week. listening to today's podcast we would love to hear your perspective on this episode head over to our instagram page it's all about perspective 2021 or our facebook and twitter page and share your opinion don't forget to subscribe a rate and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast and one last thing remember it's all about perspective perspective